0: Oh God, welcome in. Happy holidays and hope that you have a great 2024. It is me, Jonathan Hood. For Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, as we talk Bulls and NBA with you. Hope that you're going to have a great holiday season as we record this on Wednesday, December 27th. We're going to talk about the Bulls, and we're going to talk about three stories I'm really interested in when it comes to the NBA. That's how we do it on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe this podcast, whether you are a Cap'n J Hood listener or if you're an Under the Hood listener, you catch it on Spotify or Apple, wherever you get the podcast. Make sure that you tell people, hey, you want Bulls in NBA conversation? We got it right here for you on Under the Hood. So, Of course, we start with the Bulls, and then I got three things that's on my mind over the holiday season when it comes to the NBA. But first, let's start with the Chicago Bulls. So going into Tuesday, December 26th, I said the Bulls are going to play the Atlanta Hawks, and the Bulls are going to be without two of their big guns. Zach Levine's been out, as we well know, but then we find out about Nikola Vucevic. Vucevic, sidelined by a strained groin and you're thinking, okay, they're taking on a potent Atlanta Hawks team that can score the ball well, led by Trey Young. How can the Bulls be able to do this? The Bulls found a way to win that game 118-113 to over Atlanta at the UC, and I was overjoyed for a number of reasons. Number one, with Vucevic out, you're missing a 20-10 and guy as he walks into the gym. You just know that Vucevic gets the garbage underneath and is able to put it back in, gets the key rebound, and can shoot from the outside, so what are the Bulls going to do without Vucevic? Oh, Billy Donovan has an answer, and it is a guy that has been around this league for a long time. You'd swear he's like 45 years old, but he's still a young guy And Andre Drummond. do You know Andre Drummond became the first Bull to post 24 points and 25 rebounds, three steals and two blocks in a game. He's only the sixth player in NBA history to post those benchmarks along with Hakeem Olajuwon, He walks with Charles Barkley. He walks with Roy Tarpley. He walks with Chris Webber and Dwight Howard. 24-25. and What a fantastic game for Andre Drummond. A seasoned veteran that has been around for a long period of time. And then when you hear from Billy Donovan, the head coach for the Bulls, he always talks about how Drummond is a professional. He realizes that he only gets somewhere in the area of 10 to 14 minutes a game because he's the backup to Vucevic. But the idea he steps right in there and logs the kind of minutes that he had and the production on top of that, 24 and 25, that's exactly what the doctor ordered, along with two blocks in the game. That's just fantastic. And you think about this. No Levine and no Vucevic, where's the scoring coming from? Well, it's supposed to come from DeRozan. And as Casey Johnson wrote on NBC Sports Chicago, he talked about how DeRozan early really could not get his offense going. But look what happened, though. This is why DeRozan is just you know, a really good player, and he's able to bide his time and realize, okay, if I don't have it going in the first half, here I come in the second half. DeRozan scored 10 points in the third, and DeRozan scored 11 points in the fourth, and it actually helped the Bulls be able to hang in there and be able to win this ball game. Now, those points might not be flashy to you, but at watching the ebb and flow of this game on Tuesday, I'm watching DeRozan just with a smooth game. You've seen him, so I don't have to really describe it, but you realize that it's not spectacular. It's not fireworks in the sky. What it is 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 a smooth game to be able to help a team win, and that's what DeRozan brought to the table for the Bulls in their victory against Atlanta. 11 points in the fourth quarter. He closed out the game pretty much for the Chicago Bulls, so I was very happy to see that. And just watching this Bulls team without Zach Levine, it's something that we've already talked about on this podcast before. You and I both know that there is more of a team element that's happening with this Bulls team without Levine playing. Perfect example is watching Kobe White in his development. Kobe White did not get it done from three. He didn't play well against the Cavaliers in the games before. But you know that Kobe White now is attacking the basket and is a guy that feels more empowered to be able to shoot the basketball, realizing that there's no quick hook. There was a time when you looked at Kobe White and you said, okay, a couple of bad shots, a couple of bad defensive plays, he's going to get pulled. But because of what is happening with this team, with Zach Levine off of it, Kobe White feels like if I make a mistake, I'm still going to be in there because who else are you going to turn to? Just be, let's be honest, right? You can look down and like, okay, you can bring in you know someone else off the bench, but I'm the guy that sets the table for this team as the lead guard, number one, and two, someone that can shoot well from the outside. And I just like when you have a guy like Kobe White that's looking at this situation with the Bulls and saying, uh, we're a playoff team, not a playoff team. His whole point is, I just got to continue to stack great games and he's been able to do that. He was okay against Atlanta because he didn't like the world on fire from three, but it was just the others. It is Drummond, it is you know, Alex Caruso, players like that that really helped in a big way for that Bulls victory. As far as Trey Young is concerned, let me just say something. <laughs> I'm watching this game and I'm watching Trey Young shoot 35 footers or 30 footers from like the Bulls' horn closest to the basket. You know how far away that is? Now, it looks good on YouTube. It looks even better on Instagram. But when your team is down, you're trying to get back to the ballgame, there is no four-pointer. Maybe at some point there's going to be a four-pointer. It seems, though, like when I watch Trey Young play, he thinks there's a four-pointer in place, and it's still a three no matter how far you shoot it from. This dude was shooting from Rockford on Tuesday, and it wasn't going in. I don't get it. (laughs) I know he's a talented player. Uh, when he needed to make a couple of key free throws, I know that he jagged one free throw that was late in the ball game when they wanted to, you know, for the Hawks to be able to, keep, you know, stay in the ball game. It just didn't work, and so the Bulls win one eighteen to one thirteen. I thought that that was a really great story for Andre Drummond. When I'm when the Bulls don't play well, I'm telling you, hey, they need to be able to get better. But you could just see the confidence in Billy Donovan knowing that, okay, the team's better. Is a team a playoff team? Probably not, but they keep playing this way. Of course, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. But again, it's about star power, difference makers, and this team is playing together. And I really, really enjoy watching them. Now the next test is against the Indiana Pacers, a Pacers team that was right there in the finals in the in season tournament against the Lakers. They've shot the ball extremely well. They don't guard much, uh, but the team is, is very, very good offensively. Let's see if the Bulls can keep up with the Pacers offensively. All right, so that's my bigger point about the Chicago Bulls, a really solid victory against the Atlanta Hawks, a short man Bulls team. Find a way to win that ball game, which is really cool. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this podcast, and I'll get your feedback as well. Wherever you're listening to us from, make sure you hit me up on X, Twitter, uh, ESPN or on Instagram, uh, IGJHood. I just want to get your feedback on some of the stuff we're talking about in the, around the NBA and, of course, the Chicago Bulls. All right, I've got three things that's on my mind regarding this Bulls team. Let me get to number one. And the number one thing is the Christmas Day games. Let me get to that page on my yellow pad. Hang on a second. Hold on. Ah, the Christmas Day games. So you're probably wondering, J-Hood, what did you do on Christmas? Well, our family celebrated a lot on Christmas Eve and, and a day before that as well, the 23rd and 24th. Because my family knows that on the 25th, it is about the NBA. It's a tradition in my house. Don't bother me. You can bring me presents. You can bring me food. Uh, But when it comes to Christmas Day, I'm all about the NBA. Because that is the day when you get the NBA from um, the beginning of the day at 11 a.m. all the way to 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So that's my day for the NBA. And I watched a lot of the Christmas Day games, starting with the Knicks and the Bucks. So let me just give you a brief synopsis of what I saw from Uh, Each game that I saw on Christmas Day. So the Knicks, Madison Square Garden, the Mecca. The Knicks win 129 to 122 against Milwaukee. Jalen Brunson is a fantastic player. 38 points, and he had six assists for the Knicks. Randall had 24 points. It was just a steady performance offensively from Brunson. I know that there are other stars, and we'll get to that coming up at number two, by the way, the three things that's on my mind. We know there's a lot of star power in this league, and Brunson's just on a good team, not a great team with the Knicks with Tom Thibodeau. But Brunson is a killer offensively. We knew what he was when he came into the league as a second-generation basketball player, but watching Brunson, he is, wow. I mean, he was really, really solid in this game. The Bucks with... Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Lillard, they both had 32 points, but it just wasn't enough. The Knicks just continued to put it on them defensively, and then Brunson was just unstoppable. There was nobody on the Bucks that could stop Brunson, and so it was great. Just a side note, by the way, about the number one thing, uh, the number one game for Christmas Day, Hubie Brown did color with day pass. Hubie Brown's 90 years old. <laughs> He's 90 years old and still getting it done. He still sounds as interested, and as solid as any announcer that you get right now calling the NBA. And he still talks about getting it in the painted area and still does his homework. You can hear the homework when you hear Hubie Brown. It's not just him just flying in from Atlanta, just going to the next city and just throwing the headphones on and saying whatever. This guy here knows about today's NBA. When you get someone who's 90 years old, that person usually reflects back to his glory days of the 70s and 80s. And there's a little of that, of course, because Bernard King's in the house and it's Madison Square Garden and Hubie's a former Knicks coach, but just the idea that he could still be able to go through his notes, be able to talk in a modern sense about what's happening in the league today and just the sensible basketball knowledge that he has. Man, hats off to Hubie Brown at 90 years old, still going strong, still doing color on one of the broadcasts for ESPN-ABC. The second game from Christmas Day was the Nuggets over the Warriors, one hundred twenty to one hundred fourteen. Jamal Murray is completely underrated. This Nuggets team, even though they won the championship last year, is underrated. A twenty-six and fourteen for um, for Jokic in this game. Murray was fantastic as well. Uh, and so I really like watching this Nuggets team because they're just fundamentally sound. You, you watch Jokic, and I believe he's out there, when I look at the box score, I believe he's out there less than 35 minutes and just how efficient that he was, getting the easy rebounds and just knowing where to pass the basketball. Jokic can play all five positions, and I know, oh, there's no way Hoodie could play point guard. Yeah, he could. In today's NBA, Jokic, and I've seen and I've heard people talk about Jokic and his practice habits because that's where it comes first. This dude can play all five positions. And do it well, because he's just that intelligent on the floor uh, for a big guy. And then with Murray as well, very good. But we get to the Warriors. Combined with Wiggins on the bench, it was um, the combination of Clay Thompson and uh, Steph Curry, 6 for 23 from 3. This Warriors team just does not have it. They're more of a 500 team than a contender in the NBA. And it happens to a lot of teams. It happens to a lot of teams. It's kind of like me trying to work out, right? And I see a younger person, and you know, 20 years younger than me, and he's on the bench, and he's just jacking up 300 pounds on the bench, 350, 325 on the bench. And I'm like, like, I can do that, but not as well as that guy that's 20 years younger than me. What I'm saying is that the Warriors at one point were, was that young guy that get on the bench and be able to bench press a ton, uh, and be able to do it easily, and then move on to the next set of weights and go into the next thing in the gym for this warriors team, they're like getting like me older and kind of taking their time trying to find out how they can win the day, how they can win in the gym <laughs> and so I see this team where it's it was cool during their time when they had a championship run, but it's just not happening now. This is for Steve Kerr, this is for Clay, this is for Draymond, this is for all these guys. They just can't do it like they used to do it, and they lose 120 to 114. Here's the thing that is um, disappointing to me, is that when things aren't going right, there's a lot of complaints. There's always excuses, especially from their head coach, Steve Kerr. Now, Kerr's got to be able to defend his players, but I just think that at times, Steve Kerr is getting on his soapbox and trying to make excuses for a team that's just not as good as they used to be, and that's what it is. This is why this is a good team, and they do have an infusion of young talent, but they just can't get over the hump against teams, say, like the Nuggets or the Celtics or teams of that ilk, because teams are just better than the Warriors. I remember after the game that the uh, Warriors lost 120 to 114 to Denver, the excuse, missing, uh, the excuse making from Steve Kerr. Let's go back in time and hear from Steve Kerr. He's mad at the world, including the league.
1: You Guys were clearly upset with with some of the calls. Just what did you think about how big a factor was the way he was kind of yeah. ref today, and, and yeah. what did you think of it? I have no no problem with uh, the officials themselves. Uh, they're all across the league. We have really good officials. I have a problem with the way we we are um, legislating defense out of the game. That's what we're doing in the NBA. The way we're teaching the officials, we're just enabling players to BS their way to the foul line. Um, if I were a fan, I wouldn't have wanted to watch the second half of that game. It was disgusting. It was just, you know, just baiting, baiting refs into calls. But the refs have to make those calls because that's how they're taught. So, they're a real problem with the way we are—we've um, legislated defense out of the game in this league, and uh, the players are really smart in this league. And for for over the last decade or so. Uh, They've gotten smarter and smarter, and they're um, they're just—they're just—we have enabled the players, and they are taking full advantage. And it's a parade to the free throw line, and it's disgusting to watch. Thanks.
0: (laughs) He just skips away and just leaves right there. (laughs) Oh man, it's—I find that just fascinating. A team that had the world by the balls. The Golden State Warriors, a team that had the world by the balls and winning championships and winning games, 60-plus games and all this, and now the defense, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to watch the second half of this game because it's a parade to the foul line because your team cannot defend without fouling. Ask anybody that's a defensive wizard as a coach in this league, what do they want most from their players? They want to make sure that their players are defending without fouling. And so his team can't do that. And so now he thinks it's an embarrassment to the league. No, your team isn't good at anymore. I just, I, the Steve Kerr, uh, just the way that he complains about calls and complains about things in the league because things aren't going his way. He just reminds me of Steve, Steve Kerr, the player. Steve Kerr, the player complaining. Steve Kerr, the coach complaining. Really the same person, of course. How about the marquee game, Celtics against the Lakers? This is the, the rivalry I grew up watching, the Celtics and Lakers. Uh, Celtics win 126-115 to 115 over the Lakers. I think the Celtics are the best team in the NBA right now. Think about it. Tatum, Brown, Przingis. White is the player that really keeps everything together with that ball club. He may not get the acclaim, but he's such a team guy, and he just is the glue to holding everything together. He may not get the headlines like everyone else, but you have to have that glue guy that is able to hold things together. I think that is uh, White for the Celtics. And I watched the Lakers, too, and the Lakers with uh, Anthony Davis. You know when Anthony Davis is at his best? When he's healthy Chicago's zone, Anthony Davis at 40 points and 13 rebounds. And still the Lakers lost that game. And LeBron had a pedestrian 16 and nine. LeBron should not be playing as many minutes as he is at his age, but he's doing all he can to be able to hold the team up. I'm not rooting for an injury, but you know how this works, right? You just kind of see how this is going to happen where the Lakers, they have some nice pieces like Hachimura and others that do a really good job with this Lakers team. As far as role players, um, but you know there's going to be an injury and the injury will tell a great story about how the Lakers can be able to survive in the west whether that's LeBron or AD AD is is like glass man like he's had so many injuries before and so let's see if he can be able to hold up as much as possible here for the stretch run uh in the NBA trying to get to the playoffs so the Celtics though I just I am so impressed by them uh from an organization standpoint from a team standpoint they've built something really Really special here, and I think that this is the team that could see in the finals, again, the Celtics, 126, Lakers, 115. They put that uh, together because of nostalgia, because the Celtics and Lakers, the, old, the oldest rivalries in the NBA, Celtics on top. The Heat against the 76ers. So I, I saw this before uh, the games took place on Christmas Day about the injury situation. There's no Jimmy Butler, no Joel Embiid. Ugh. Is this game going to be any good? Yeah, not, not bad, actually. I'm watching the Heat in the 76ers. Heat win 119-113. to 113. You know what's fascinating about the Miami Heat to me is just that Heat culture. It is a slogan. It is a gimmick, yes, but it actually means something because that's Pat Riley, that's Eric Spolstra. And I know that for Miami Sports Radio, my friends Jeff Fox and some of my friends down in South Florida – there's always this conversation about who gets the credit, who gets the blame when it comes to the Heat. Is it Pat Riley because he's building his team with his hands, or is it Eric Spoelstra to keep everything together? I lean Spolstra as a head coach because Spolstra could leave the Heat today and get and have carte blanche. Probably president of basketball operations, he could be able to be a coach and uh, basketball coach. Uh, oper- you know, of um, head of operations for a basketball team. I, I think that uh, he has been, done a tremendous job of doing more with less. Post-LeBron, post-Wade, post-Bosh, this team's still been able to be viable. And I know that my friends in South Florida are like, got to have more, got to have more. Well, like, Adebayo gives the Heat 26 and 15. This is without Jimmy Butler. Uh, Yaquez, who is a, um, a cult hero down there, 31 and 10. Jacquez has just been a really good player for them, uh, emerging as one of their young stars, 31-10, and, and the Heat 1-1, No one beat. It's difficult for the Sixers to win, but uh, again, another formidable team that's going to be in the top of the Eastern Conference, the 76ers. But the Heat, again, it reminds you of the uh, New England Patriots in some ways, in which, yes, you have a, a guy like Tom Brady that makes a difference, but Brady never really had a number of, like, superstar, pro bowl, Hall of Fame wide receivers that he went to on a regular basis. Yeah, Gronk is a tight end, yes. But who are those difference-making wide receivers that were Hall of Fame, top-notch, top-shelf guys that could be able to help out Tom Brady and make the offense easier? Tom had to be able to make those receivers, guys that were in the scrap heap that Belichick chose. Same thing with the Heat. Like Heat fans have been looking for hey, where's that top-shelf guy to go along with Bam and go along with Jimmy Butler? Well, there's Jacquez, and then there's some others. There's Tyler Hero and others on this basketball team that work within the system. And then the Mavs against the Suns, and this is when I started getting a little tired, when they started putting the plate of food on my stomach as I started just to kind of doze off. I did wake up enough to see Luka with his 50 points. Luka Doncic had 50 points and 15 assists. That guy's a top-five player in the league. And no one knows about it. They know who Luca is, but the Mavericks are not aesthetically pleasing. And also, it says a lot about the Mavs that Mark Cuban, the owner, has given the majority of shares away away from the Mavericks. I guess he'll still have his seat. He's got power at the Mavericks, but he gave a lot of his power away from a money standpoint. I find that interesting. But Luca in 44 minutes, 50 points and 15 assists. Wow. He is a, a, a fantastic player. This is the same game, by the way, in which Booker and Allen, Grayson Allen and, and Booker, combined for 52 points and 14 assists. And Durant had 16, and he was just hanging around. But the Mavs, because of Luka, they couldn't stop him on the floor. Luka and the Mavs win 120 to 114. I had a tremendous Christmas watching these games, that is for sure. And again, as I mentioned, shout-out to Hubie Brown. Up, oh, got to get to number two because we're running out of time. My number two thing, you know what I love most in sports, in sports talk? I love a good tier list. Ah, no one loves a good tier list like the person you're talking to and listening to right now in Jay hood I love it. I'm looking for uh, the list. It's right in front of me. Okay. So (laughs) if you go to theathletic.com, they have their NBA players tiers list. I love this when we talk quarterbacks. Mike Sando does a great job with this when we look at the – tiers when it comes to quarterback list, and the same thing in the NBA. Who is the best player in the NBA? I'll just pause right here. You tell me. Who is the best player in the NBA right now? Well, the Athletic has their choice of who the best players are. I love a good tier list. So let's go into it. Seth Partnow from TheAthletic.com. You go there, NBA players uh, tier list. Why Kevin Durant dropped to 1B and who are the three in 1A. Okay, so I have a few adjustments to what they have, but I will read to you who the athletic feels are the best players in the NBA. And, of course, you can argue this to yourself. I'll put this on social media, and then you can argue to yourself on who um, the best players are in the NBA. Okay, their 1A list, are you ready? It's Giannis, Steph Curry, Jokic, Kevin Durant, Doncic, Joel Embiid, that's their tier one list. Now I break down you know, 1A, 1B, whatever. To me, when I tell you that, the, here it is, Giannis, Steph Curry, Jokic, Kevin Durant, Luka, and Joel Embiid are the best players in the NBA. Would you agree or disagree with that? I would disagree slightly because I look at that list and say, I'm not sure if Kevin Durant is a 1A player. I would put LeBron James in that category still because no matter his age, he's still getting it done at a high level. I think LeBron James is, I think people want to see him push down to two or three or four, but I think that at his age, he's still getting it done. He's still breaking records. I would put LeBron James in that tier one list. That's what I would do. I would not have Durant in that list. Also, I believe that at some point, Jason Tatum will be a tier one player in the league. I know it's about Tatum and Brown because that's, they're synonymous. They're known as the one-two punch, Tatum and Brown. But I believe that Tatum is a better player than Brown. I would say at some point soon, Jason Tatum could be a tier one player in this league. Let me give you the tier two list they have for TheAthletic.com. They have LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, a healthy Kawhi Leonard. Can you believe that? Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker. Anthony Davis, John Morant, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Paul George, Jamal Murray, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander from Oklahoma City. So I look at that list, and I would agree that Shea Gilgis-Alexander has, has just been a real find for the Thunder. Young team trying to figure out who they are, but Alexander so steady and so consistent for this Thunder team. I believe he does, does deserve to be in this second tier. I find it interesting that James Harden now um, with this Clippers team and back in shape, that he is a tier two player on this list. John Morant, who is, boy, I tell you what, he he serves his 25-game suspension. It's like he never left. That dude is elevating this, uh, this team for Memphis. I watched them on Tuesday night against New Orleans. My God, Morant is just, if he can just keep himself out of trouble outside of basketball, imagine if he can come back to try to be one of the faces of the league. We'll, you know, we'll see how that works. But Butler being on that list, Jason Tatum, as I mentioned, is going to be tier one. I think LeBron James would be tier one. When I drop to tier two, definitely would be Kevin Durant because I believe that Booker uh, overshadows him with the uh, Phoenix Suns. And I believe that, uh, that that's how I would handle it. But that list is very interesting to me. Uh, Bulls fans, listening, just be patient. We'll get to the Bulls in just a second because there's several Bulls on this list, and it's funny. Tier 3, according to The Athletic, Bam Adebayo, the center for the Heat, Jalen Brown, who we just talked about, the Celtics, Donovan Mitchell. Will Mitchell be traded by the deadline? There's rumors, there's innuendo about Mitchell and the Cavs. Jaron Jackson Jr., solid player, a a tier 3 player. Anthony Edwards, he will be tier 2 by the end of the season, in my view, he's tier... Tier 3 here, but he'll be Tier 2, I believe, at the end of the season. De'Aaron Fox, wonderful player for the Kings. Trey Young. um, Kyrie Irving is Tier 3. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Draymond Green should be Tier 4, but he's Tier 3 on this list. Pascal Siakam, Zion Williamson, Jalen Brunson, Laurie Markkinen, Rigo Bear, Bradley Beal. DeMar DeRozan is a 3-tier player on this list. LaMelo Ball. Mikel Bridges, Tyrese Halliburton, that's tier three. Bulls fans, you want to know where some of these other Bulls are? Now, remember, I just told you in this tier three that looking at this list, that DeMar DeRozan is in the same category as Bam Adebayo and Jalen Brown, and Diamond Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox and Kyrie Irving and Draymond Green and Zion Williamson. Hmm. I think that's fair. But wait until, you, I, wait until I give you this uh, Tier 4 list. You ready? Chris Paul, Tier 4. And he's for definitely in the twilight of his career. C.J. McCollum, a really solid player for the Pelicans in this Tier 4. Brendan Ingram, also with the Pelicans. Sabonis from the Kings. Uh, Wiggins, a newbie. Robert Williams, a center for the Celtics. Darius Garland, Desmond Bain, Evan Mobley. Kristaps Porzingis is in a uh, Tier 4. Michael Porter Jr. will be t- Tier 2, I believe, or Tier 3 before it's all said and done. Aaron Gordon with uh, dog bites all over his face and body. Did you see that story? Aaron Gordon with the Nuggets. Just go to ESPN.com. You can see that story for yourself. Uh, ben Chiro from The Magic. Derek White. Carl Anthony Towns. So I'm scrolling, right? Julius Randle. Victor Wynn And I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm looking for the other bulls. And guess what I saw? (laughs) They have Zach Levine. The Athletic has Zach Levine and Alex Caruso, both Tier 4 players. I want you to let that sink in just for a second. Zach Levine and Alex Caruso, are they the same player? Player. Alex Caruso or Zach Levine. And for those of you that say that Zach is better than DeMar DeRozan, I want you to just understand, like, DeRozan's one more. He's been a third or fourth option for some teams he's been on. I mean, he's the number two option on this Bulls team. Some say the number one option because of his mid-range game and his consistency. I want you to see how at least TheAthletic.com sees Zach Levine as a tier four player with a full boat contract. I chuckled when I saw that. I said, Oh, Alex Caruso and Zach Levine are both tier four players. <laughs> so, just to be clear, again, Zach Levine and Alex Caruso is in the same category as like a Bruce Brown for the Pacers, uh, a Bogdanovich of the Pistons, or a Cade Cunningham for the Pistons, or Tyler Hero, which I think that's, I don't think that's lazy. I don't think he's a 4 uh, tier four player, Tyler Hero for the Heat. But Zach is in the same categories like Austin Reeves and Franz Wagner and Brooke Lopez of the Bucks and Tyrese Maxey and uh, Aaron Gordon, as I mentioned, Evan Mobley. They're role players. And Zach is supposed to be the number one guy on this Bulls team. I just thought that was fascinating. Like, share, and subscribe to this podcast as we get to the home stretch here. Uh, of number three of the three things I find interesting in the league, so the number three thing is the Detroit Pistons, as we record this here on wednesday morning december twenty seventh the Detroit Pistons has lost twenty seven straight games twenty seven straight games. you know how hard that is doing this league? Do you know how difficult it is to lose twenty seven games in this league? That is bananas. The Pistons are two and twenty eight last time that the Pistons won, they defeated the Bulls 118-102 to 102 back on October 28th. This Pistons team, they paid Monty Williams, the head coach, six years, $100 million to be able to turn this Pistons things around. And Tom Gores, the owner of the Pistons, has got to be like, what the hell is going on here? My good friend Rick Mahorn, who played for one of the Pistons championship teams before he was exiled to Minnesota, an expansion team, I worked with him at SiriusXM. We did shows together on SiriusXM NBA Radio, so I've I've known Rick for well over a decade, and he doesn't even t- answer my calls anymore. <laughs> and why should he? Right? Why should he answer my calls? I will text him and say, you know, my condolences, Rick. And he'll just tell me, "F off, hoodie. F off." He's a funny guy, but he's pissed off now because he looks at this Pistons team like we all do, and we say, why don't you trade and get some veterans with some pride? A Jeremy Grant, a Tobias Harris, an Evan Gordon, somebody, right? Zach Levine. If you remember the last podcast, it was rumored that the Pistons could be interested in a Zach Levine. Now, of course, that came from Bobby Marks from the front office insider for ESPN. But, I mean, that's crazy. 27 straight losses. And Tom Gords, I read in the athletic uh, earlier this morning, is like, oh, you know, we're telling Pistons fans not to panic. And it's funny, I was watching one of their games, and Pistons fans are there, but they're yelling, sell the team, sell the team, sell the team to the owner. And I'm like, wow, wow, that is amazing. Here's my thought. At some point, they will win a ball game. And we will look at this as obviously a lost season because – it's a young team led by Cade Cunningham. I read the Cunningham quotes. He says, we are trying everything we can to win a ball game." He says, there's no hung heads." He says, there's a leadership. I'm trying to lead this team, but I haven't done a good job at it because we keep losing games. But it's not like we haven't seen this before. We saw this with the 76ers during the whole, um, their whole situation where they were trying to talk about trust the process, trust the process, and they still haven't won a championship yet despite trusting the process. But at some point... They will win and turn this thing around, and they'll look back at this and say, wow, look how bad we were, but we'll turn it around. Not this year, but at some point they'll win a game this year, and they'll try to get whoever they can in the draft, and they got to make some deals here. They have to trade some of that young talent and get some veterans in because they cannot keep going in this direction. They are the dog shit of the league. <laughs> it's, it's bad, really bad. And I don't have any ill will toward the Pistons as someone who's followed the Bulls for a long time. I mean, was, those days are over. The 90s are over. But, boy, that's pretty bad. Let me get your comments, by the way, on Instagram, IGJHood. I hang out on threads a lot, too. You on threads? I'm on threads. Look for me on threads. Follow me on threads. And, of course, the YouTube page as well, youtube.com. Look for um, the J-Hood Radio. I'm on YouTube as well. We want to get our subscribers up because we have a big 2024 for you. And, of course, we got our merchandise as well. Merchandise is right there in the the bio. So if you've listened this long, thanks so much for supporting the podcast. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you and your family. And we'll talk again next year, 2024. More Bulls, more NBA, more Under the Hood with me, J-Hood. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast. Let's keep watching this Bulls team. Let's keep watching the NBA. And you got NBA stuff? Send it to me. Let's chat about it. Away from the podcast. Thanks so much. So long, everybody. From Chicago, Southside.